This is College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast for fans of NCAA women's collegiate soccer with Old Miss women's head coach Matt Mott and Rice women's head coach Brian Lee. You can download this podcast from all your favorite podcast providers. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell a friend. And now, Coach Mott and Coach Lee. Well, good evening. College Soccer Nation is back on this Tuesday evening. Um, pretty excited. We are going to continue on as College Soccer Nation. Uh, my name is Matt Mott. I'm the head coach of the Ole Miss Rebels, and now I'm joined with a new and approved co-host, uh, Brian Lee from the Rice Owls. He was the big deal, but now it may be the Motty and B. Lee show. How about that, Brian? You like that? Ooh, you know, I'm much more pro the show having a little nickname to it. I don't know about B. Lee, but we can work <laughs> on it. We can come up with something. Yeah, so just to let everybody update everybody on what's going on with our show. So Chris is, as I think everyone should know, if you listen has moved on to the big time, Brian. He's in the big show and the big lights of Chicago. And he is now the head coach of the Chicago Red Stars, if you didn't listen last week. Um, and because he's now a NWSL pro coach, they have all his media rights. So they have a podcast and they would prefer, I think he does their podcast as opposed to doing our podcast. So Chris is now dead to us. Is that appropriate for Chicago? <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. It'll be a little uh, download battle, maybe. <laughs> well, I like that. I like right. that. The download. That means I'm going to have Beebs every day, nonstop downloading right. the show. So we right. need Matt, we're not scared of the Red Star Nation. We, we are. We are. Bring it on. Bring it on. Um, but the exciting news for Rock, College Soccer Nation is we uh, you know, have to replace Chris. So we've moved Brian up a chair, which I think he'll do a fantastic job. Although I do have to work on him helping me write the script, uh, which Chris does such a good job of. But we are bringing in a new member, um, but he won't start till next week. We're still working on some contract negotiations with him. He's demanding a lot of things. But uh, so we're going to tease it here and just let you know we will have a new member, a full time new member that will take over kind of Brian's spot and the big deal spot. Um, I, everybody that is involved in college soccer nation, I think are involved in women's college soccer probably knows him some part of them. So uh, it'll be excited to add him into our little, our little podcast. Matt, would you say it's fair to call him the bigger deal? <laughs> I like it. The bigger deal. So. That may be what we go. We had a name that we don't want to share yet, but that might be better. That may I think be I better. Can, I, I can like humbly it. say yes. bigger deal. I don't know, Brian. I don't know. Yeah, you're don't right. sell yourself too short, it. buddy. Okay, so a couple other things on the show tonight. We will have the Power Five. Brian's first Power Five is pretty exciting. I feel very confident I will win, as I usually did against Chris. But um, because it's, it's uh, you know, we're starting March and it's getting to be spring break time, we thought we would hit it with uh, big-time international uh, vacation destinations, right? That is our topic for the Power Five. We will debate that um, very strongly. Uh, here at the uh, at the end of the show in the Power Five segment, and uh, the other thing we want to do in kind of this first segment, oh, we have a, a guest coming on that we're really excited about. Um, Colin Carmichael from Oklahoma State University, the head coach there, is going to come on and join us um, as our guest tonight. So excited to talk to him. He's had a fantastic career there at Oklahoma State. So we will bring him in. Um, but we are going to we're going to open kind of back up with some recruiting discussion that. After we got done with that recruiting uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago, we got a lot of feedback, a lot, a lot of feedback about when Mike Bristol was on. And there were some, some emails we received about 
you know, some other questions that some some parents had and some people had. And, and so we want to just touch base on a couple other topics. So I'm going to open up the first topic to you, Brian. We're going to talk a little recruiting here in this first segment. First yep. topic, early commitments. Oh, boy. Thankfully, there's not as many, right? Mm-hmm. The new legislation that pushed contact to the summer before the kids' junior year um, has slowed things down. So we're still going to see June 16th commitments, right? June 15th commitments. Absolutely. Um, overall, in reflection, was that maybe a decade where we had early commitments? Yeah. Probably a bad thing for the player and for the college program. Yeah. If you, I know you like these percentages, right? I love so them. So if you were going <laughs> to, if you were going to put a percentage on how many, let's do it this way. So how many um, kids that were freshmen when they committed, sophomores, juniors, and then seniors, percentage wise were busts. So in other words, they committed as a freshman to school X. And yep. by the time they were uh, going into college, they weren't the player they were. Yep. Um, so do we want to do it on the negative side or positive side? So we could do it the other way. We'd say how many actually were good, in your opinion, were good, you know, yep. worked out well. Yeah, let's do hit ratio. Okay, hit so ratio. Oh, that's a nice phrase. Of a kid who commits as a freshman. Yeah. And I, I'm going to give you two angles on this. If they committed to North Carolina, Stanford, UCLA, top top 15 kids in the country. Yeah. Hit, hit ratio is 90, 95%. Starting about player 16, the hit ratio 50% at best hmm. of early commits. That would be yeah. my my take on that one. What do you think? Yeah, 15 is the number you're saying, huh? It's probably so we're talking about those are probably the 15 youth national team players at that age group. Yeah. Top players, yeah. more than likely. Yeah. yeah. Very top players. Yeah. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe there were more than 15, I would say, that were no doubters, right? And and we could probably go back and think of a few that were that were, you know, that were great when they were freshmen and were great when they were in college. Um, so okay, so as as we go older, sophomore, is that a higher percentage, hit percentage? Oh, I think so. I think you can add 10% to both of those, you know, sophomore with junior each, with each year. Sophomore yeah. year, junior year. You know, it never really hit the senior year. I guess that's not even an early commitment. But, right. um, you know, there's always going to be busts. And, and the the biggest thing to me was when we're recruiting, it's really hard to know the kid's love of the game, right? So um, if a kid's goal as a player was just to get a college scholarship and they committed when they're a freshman or a sophomore or even a junior, the, the chances that they kind of shut it down or, you know, stop getting to all the training or doing any of the extra things they were doing to try and attain a scholarship are pretty high. Um, and that's where, that's the group of kids I think we saw a huge bust rate in. The ones who just yeah. didn't love soccer. Well, I think I think there's a couple of things to un- unpack here. I think number one is, I think one of the things that happens with players, like it, you've touched on a really good point, but one of the things that happens is, so as they get older, right? When they're, when they're a freshman, all their buddies are playing. Everybody's playing soccer. They have a good team, so on and so forth. And as they get older, um, players start to realize they, they, they get interested in other things. And maybe those superstars continue on, but their teammates don't. So the club team may get weaker depending on how, where they are in the country. And now it makes it harder and harder for those superstars to find good places to play. 
And if they're not super committed to playing with, you know, again, I'm talking more about the area I live in, uh, playing with boys, um, going, you know, hours away to train and, and play, um, then it gets really hard and they're going to lose some ability um, to, be, to be a high-end player because they're not training at the same level. And if they don't absolutely love it, like you're saying, they're set up to be a bust 100%. And I think we do see that a lot. And, and I do think the new legislation is extremely helpful. And we're not having to make decisions really until they're juniors or, or even seniors for that matter. Absolutely. I, th- and I think the satisfaction rate among our coaching group has got to be 95% with the new legislation. I think everybody's happy about it. Oh, you're killing it with the percentages. Absolutely killing right, well, it. Yeah. You, you asked, I deliver, Matt. I appreciate that. I wasn't the same with my old co-host. He was a little more <laughs> difficult to deal with. All right. Um, yeah, I, I, but I do think that the, the idea that early commitments are kind of, for the most part, a thing of the past is a real positive for our game. I really do. I think I think it's fair. I remember I remember wanting to go watch the like U17 or U18 games, but we had to watch U15 because we're recruiting dang sophomores, you yeah. know. But, and until a coach has a kid that age, you know, our kids are both just come through high school or yeah. we're in the midst of it. When you're actually at home with a 15 year old and I mean, I love my kids. I think they're great. Straight yeah. A's they don't cause us any problems pretty straight and narrow. They've got no business deciding where they're going to college at 15 or 16 <laughs> yeah. years old. Yeah. It, it, that is crazy talk. Yeah. And we were calling these kids and asking them to make decisions. Begging them, begging them. Begging. To, yeah, absolutely. Them deadlines. Yes. I got to know in two weeks. Yes. Yeah, wow. absolutely. My daughter, my daughter is a high school senior, right? In her sec- last semester of high school senior, she decided about I don't know, two, maybe three weeks ago. Right. So in February of her senior year, she decided where she's going to school. Now she looked at this school and that school and wanted to go here and wanted to go there. And, but in the end, she decided in the last semester of her senior year. Right. And she's not, she is not an athlete. Um, And she was probably mature enough to make that decision at that point. But we're asking freshmen, okay, you got to decide where you're going to go. And that was so stupid. when When it didn't work out, we'd cry and moan about it. Yeah. years later when they were freshmen yeah that's we, right. we should have known yeah all right all right so the opposite side of early commitments is now decommitments you want to start on this one you want me to go on this one are you going to call it decommitting poaching there's a lot yeah. of angles to it yeah yeah tell me yeah. where you're going to take it well let's start let's start with first the coaches trying to get kids to decommit. And then we'll talk about the kids decommitting. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of different versions of it, right? There's the kid deciding they want to look elsewhere and there's coaches picking up the phone, calling a known committed kid. Um, and it just flat out having those discussions. Hey, do you want to switch yeah. over? And yeah. you know, then you get on the, the ethic, moral, you know, fence there, which side do you, which side do you fall on? Yeah, I, I do. I, I will say this. A kid that decides when they're a freshman and then changes their mind when they're a senior, I can stomach. A kid that decides when they're a junior and then changes their mind when they're a senior, there's some serious character issues there for me, in my opinion. And the coach that – I'll be honest with you, Brian, I, I, I swear on the Bible here, I've never called a kid and she said, I'm committed to school X, and I've said, well, have you – would you like to reconsider it? I don't even know what to say. I don't know how to say it. Yeah. 
But there are plenty of people that that are very comfortable doing that. And to me, it, it brings their character into the spotlight. And I and I would say, and I've said to parents, like, if if there's a if there's a coach that is actively recruiting you once you've told them you're committed to school X in women's soccer, not talking about football or basketball or anything, I'm talking about women's soccer, then there is a serious character issue, in my opinion, with that coach. So when you get, do you think when you get there to school X, that that coach's character is all of a sudden going to change when it comes to you? Right? Like, like the character, your character is your character. So if they're willing to say, no, it doesn't matter that you've committed to this school. I think my school's better. You should come here, even though you've given your word to more than likely a scholarship that you'll go there and it goes both ways. Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, I, I think there's a couple of bits of that. I totally agree with the, the character question on both sides of it and the miss ratio. We were talking about ratios of early commitments, hit yeah. or miss the miss ratio on decommit kids who switch schools late in the process is huge. Huge. Because when you get to college, it's your, you know, everyone's got reasonably the, the same amount of ability if you're going to play college sports on scholarship. The character piece is huge. You're away from your parents, you're on your own, you know, and if, if that's the way you operate, it's probably not going to work out in college anyway. And whatever happens to one of my buddies or one of my friends, I'm always on the side of this is the best thing that's ever happened because yeah. if he was willing to do this, that wasn't going to work for you. Um, you've, you've said that to me a couple of times. I know I have. I know I have. Merry Christmas. Yeah. And how's it going with those kids? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, so. and, I, and on the flip, I couldn't agree anymore. And it, this goes across recruiting. If yeah. someone calls you and you're committed and they're trying to talk you into coming, and if they ask one time, maybe. But if they're badgering you about it, they, you know, that's a character issue about tra- how you treat young kids. And then if they're one of the coaches who's at 15 of your practices, you know, there's rules on. Yeah. Yeah. Rules. How many can be? If, at. Yeah. If, if someone is breaking a recruiting rule while they're recruiting you, why do you think they're going to treat you right when you show up? Yeah. yeah. That's no question. It, no it, question. It, they're telling you everything you need to know. They're yeah. Exactly. You you are getting you are seeing firsthand what you yeah. should expect when yeah. you show up on campus. Ah, I couldn't agree more. All right, let's go. Um, so again, we had an email, and I think that's very good, Brian. Very well said. Um, we've had some questions about international recruiting. We we had a, a a gentleman email us about could you talk a little bit about international recruiting and kind of how you do it. And I do want to talk with Colin about this during during our our chat with him. But let's just touch on a couple of things. So. One of his questions was, what is the benefit for the the player? What is the benefit for the team? Well, benefit for the players coming to America to go to the college. You know, Mm -hmm. there's, I think we're the only place in the world that offers college scholarships to athletes and, you know, supports it the way we do it at many of the programs. And, you know, if you bring in a youth national team kid, they're probably going to see the finest facilities they've ever worked out in. Um, yeah. the second they step on campus at Ole Miss, is that probably fair to say? Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, so the benefit for the kid is just clear as day, you know, for the program, you know, international kids, a little background, a little different background in soccer. And I think there's an on the field and off the field benefit, you know, to it within your program it helps your, your kids deal with people from different countries and 
um, you know, a kid coming across the world is a lot different than a kid coming from a couple hours down the road. Um, and it helps those kids, you know, who just become their friends as well. Uh, so I think there's that piece to it. And if you get the right kid, they certainly, there's plenty of examples where they've been massive difference makers. Yeah. So let's go with that question, Brian, Mr. Percentage. What, yeah. what throughout the country is the hit percentage on international players? Well, depends on the school at Florida state. It's about 99% as far as I know, <laughs> but, you know, I, yeah. but I think that goes down to just connections of the coach is if, yeah. if you're taking a kid blind, you don't see him in person and you don't know somebody who you trust, they gave you the recommendation. Uh, the hit ratio is probably 20%. Yeah. If you're someone connected like Mark is across the world and you've got people you can trust and they're getting out and seeing them and doing a really thorough eval, your hit rate's going to be 99%. So. So I do think it's, it's interesting. So, you know, obviously a lot of us, we've talked about film on this forever on the podcast. And I think a lot of it has to do with film, but you know, the, the trick for me is with international kids is what is the competition, right? Because, you know, again, like all the leagues are different, but playing in the SEC, you got to be athletic. You got to be fast. You got to be tough. You got to be, you know, jump high and, and, and all those things, right. Physically strong. And when you watch these films, who, what is that competition level? And it's hard to tell when you're, you know, when you're not there, when you don't see it live, and even sometimes live, it's hard to tell because you just don't really know the level. Um, yeah, we, so that we've that had way. internationals through the year and, and internationals. I, I just think you've got to go see them. Yeah. You know, if it's within the budget, if it's possible at all, you've got to see them live. And, and then I think the other piece of it is, um, you know, is there a, a pedigree from that country? Right. So, you know, we, we had Rafa here who was, you know, is still playing, she's playing for Arsenal, right. And on Arsenal's top team and doing a great job. She's Brazilian's you know, starting center back and has been unbelievable. Right. We've tried to get five Brazilians, six Brazilians since then, and none of them have worked out. So that was just really lucky where I think you look at, obviously, we want to call Canada international. I mean, you know, I just played Brooks last night. He has a ton of them that are really good players. So yeah. that pipeline in Canada obviously has been really, really, really good. So speaking of Canada, let's talk, um, let's talk about um, CONCACAF, right? Okay. So CONCACAF, you, you 20s, you, no, you 20s, right? You 20s, yep. You 20s CONCACAF right qualify? Now. Yeah. Yep. Give, the, give the listeners a little update on that, right? Well, the USA is playing right now. Literally, as we're recording the podcast, USA 6, Dominican Republic nil in extra time, uh, 91st minute. Um, but that's the way this whole tournament's going to go in the, yeah. the group stages. There's probably too many countries. The group stages are seated. So the Canada's and Mexico's and U.S. are going to cruise through. But then they go knockout stage of 16. They play something like seven games in 16 days. Periodization mm. police would not like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. So what it, what it's done is give the Americans and the Canadians a huge advantage because they can rotate the the roster and keep the quality high. So you won't see many upsets. But starting next week, we'll hit the knockout stage, and it's it's not been a gimme for the United States. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. Um, and if if all goes to plan, coming out of the group stages, it's Canada, USA in the semi. So wow! Oh, really? Yeah, they're lined up. So yeah. we'll see, but it, it's got, you got 17 college players on the U S two youth kids and the one pro Moultrie and same thing with Canada, 17 of their 20 players are 
U.S. collegians, and it's mm. it's really a who's who. So yeah. coverage is decent. It's on FS2. Um, people can check Great. it out. Great. Good job. Love it. All right. Are we ready to uh, bring in Colin? Oh, let's do it. Can't wait. Okay, Brian. Colin Carmichael has joined us from Oklahoma State University. We're excited to to chat with him. This is Brian's first interview, Colin, so it's a big pressure on him as well, maybe on you. But uh, what we like to do always to start is, if you could, you know, give our listeners kind of your path. So how how you got to Oklahoma State and kind of how it's gone for you and, and kind of, you know, just talk, walk us through uh, to where we are now here in 2022. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, played uh, played collegiately at University of South Alabama in Mobile. And um, while we were there, we started uh, a women's program right when I was uh, in graduate school. And so myself and Karen Hancock ran the women's team. And about two years into that, uh, Oklahoma State announced that they were starting a women's program. And Karen is from Tulsa originally. So she applied for the job and, and was hired as the head coach and offered me the opportunity to come up here with her. Um, great timing for me because my student, my F1 student visa was about to run out. So I was kind of at a crossroads of what am I going to do? And so very thankful for the opportunity to come to Oklahoma State on an H1B visa. And um, yeah, Karen and I started the program from scratch. And um, we've both been here ever since, since 96, 97, I believe it was. Wow. And um, yeah, about 14 years ago, um, due to numerous different reasons, we, we kind of flipped roles and I became head coach and Karen is still here as an assistant coach and she's also our SWA. And um, we, we built the program up from an intramural field and porta potties and just trying to get a bunch of walk-ons to put a team together to, you know, go into the Elite Eight a couple of times and, and win in some conference championships. So really proud of that and um, just love my time here in Oklahoma. That, that's a super interesting, Colin. Now, when did you come from Scotland? So when I was 12, so it must have been sixth or seventh grade, uh, my dad got some work in Houston with the oil boom. So he was a mechanical engineer or hydraulic engineer, did a lot of work with oil rigs and things. And so with the oil boom in Houston, um, he came over and opened a subsidiary company from his boss's company. And it was supposed to be like a two or three year deal. It ended up being about a seven or eight year deal. And um, <clears throat> so during that time, I came up through the youth soccer ranks in Houston and uh, got recruited, obviously, to play collegiately. And uh, interestingly, the year I went, I had kind of a gap year after high school. And so I went to England because in my mind, I was going to be, you know, the next Liverpool, Man United, Tottenham star. <laughs> I ended up at Doncaster Rovers at uh, playing on the youth team. Uh, no disrespect to Doncaster, of course. And, uh, <laughs> You know, didn't really work out the way the way I thought it might. And um, so I came back and was fortunate to get a scholarship to South Alabama. But, you know, when I went to England, my parents stayed here. And um, about within six months of me moving back, they moved back to Scotland. So I'm not sure what that says about my parents' <laughs> relationship with me. But, uh, yeah, so that that's what brought us over to Houston initially. And really glad that that opportunity came up for my dad. Because otherwise, my obviously, the path of my life would be really, really different. That's super interesting. Now, you said, correct me if I'm wrong, Karen is your assistant coach and your boss. Technically, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Karen, uh, when we be she became assistant coach and, um, you know, we just kind of rolled on the way we had been. And then we have a direct supervisor, Jason Lewis, who's actually my, my boss. 
And then probably, gosh, three, four years ago, um, we did not have a senior women's administrator. And Karen had been at OSU forever. She's really good in that role, actually. And um, they approached Karen to see if she wanted to take on that responsibility as well as coach. And she said, absolutely. So she doesn't technically, I guess, oversee soccer. But yeah, there's there's many things that I defer to to Karen on within hundred <laughs> percent. That that's really a, a really a, a interesting. And Karen's awesome, right? She's awesome. So not surprising that she could. I, I you know I think she'd be great at SWA. Okay, so first question for me, Colin. So ninety six, right? Give us uh, how the Big Twelve has changed from ninety six to twenty twenty two. Well. First and foremost, AM and Nebraska were both in the Big 12 back then. Right. And were unbelievable. You know, both yeah. of them were Elite Eight, Final Four type teams. I mean, just incredible. And, you know, uh, we, we uh, ourselves and OU and, and Kansas and a lot of the other programs, we, we started years after those guys. And so we mm. were just playing catch up for the first five or six years. Um, but, you know, you had Colorado, you had Missouri. Um, you know, just, it was a really, really incredible league. And, um, towards the end of when, when A&M, Missouri, Colorado, Nebraska started leaving, our league was, was really strong. You know, A&M and Nebraska remained perennial powers, but ourselves and Missouri and Kansas and Texas and so many other programs, Colorado had great runs. So, uh, yeah, it was awesome. I, I miss those days. It was a really good time to be in our league. <laughs> You know, uh, then, of course, fast forward, uh, when those teams left, we added uh, TCU in West Virginia. And, uh, you know, West Virginia had a run there where, you know, they won, I think, six out of the eight trophies that were available in our league and went to a Final Four, a national championship game. So, mm. um, you know, they became kind of the team to beat. And um, now TCU has kind of taken on that mantle. So it's been interesting. And now the recent developments of uh, Texas and uh, OU joining the SEC – and, uh, you know, the Big 12 gaining BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston, it's all going to change again. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a heck of a ride. And there's, there's been different challenges throughout those different time frames. But uh, I'd like to think we've, uh, we've held our own. Yeah. You, li- you like the change? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think ideally I wouldn't, I wouldn't really want Texas and OU to leave. I, I, I get sure. that money drives, you know, a lot of things in, in college. Yeah. And so I don't you know, there's no hard feelings from my end. They have a chance sure. to go, you know, bring in however many more million dollars to their department. They have to do it. I understand that. Uh, but personally, you know, we have a great rivalry with OU and I don't know if that's going to continue or not. That's yeah. being discussed probably as we speak. Uh, yeah. I'd like to explain them. Um, I just think it's great for the soccer in our state to have that marquee matchup every year. Um, and Texas has become a great rival for us. And, um, you know, we've had some great, great games against Texas. So it's sad to see them leave, but, you know, we're adding BYU who just played for the national championship and yeah. uh, UCF who are always a great team. So, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, a little sad to, to be losing those teams, but kind of exciting, you know, that there's going to be a new era, I guess. Absolutely. That's interesting. Colin, talk to me about uh, how you found Justin and, you know, what were the kind of the values and the, the things you were looking for when you hired him? Because it's worked out great. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you agree. He's been there for forever. And you guys have done fantastic. But he came out of the club environment, correct? 
right? Is it is it a family show? Do I need to watch how we, how nice <laughs> Justin to come here and things? But, you, know, um, you know, when I moved to Oklahoma about this, being here like a year, um, I got involved in ODP and started working with some of the coaches over in Tulsa and Oklahoma City and getting to know people. And um, they had a very good indoor team, the Tulsa Roughnecks at the time. And I was still young and had just been playing semi-pro and mobile. So um, a couple of the guys I did ODP with said, hey, you should come out to the Roughnecks. Like, Great. Sounds like, sounds like fun. So first practice, Justin's there. And, you know, he's an English guy. I'm a Scottish guy. So I'm sure we knocked each other around a little bit. But, <laughs> you know, we actually got along great. And, um, you know, started hanging out a little bit, became friends. And Justin was the director of uh, Hurricane Soccer Club at the time. And um, he asked me to get involved with the youth teams there. So I took like the under 11 girls team and we got to know each other, just became really, really good friends. And, you know, we used to sit around as you do having a beer and talking about, you know, wouldn't it be great if the timing was, was right to get Justin on staff at OSU because he's a great coach and a really good guy. And um, there were a few times we talked, talked it through and the timing wasn't right. And then we had an opening and um, the timing was right for Justin and, he uh he came onto the college scene. That was geez, it doesn't seem that long. I think it was like twelve years ago, 11, 12 wow. years ago. Yeah, he's he's a great guy, big part of our program. Uh, you know, obviously a great coach. Um, his years in youth development, I think, really allows him to focus on our individual skill development with our group. Um, and you know, it allows me to do a lot of the tactical things. And I think that really works for us, Justin you know, is able to spend time working on, you know, say the forwards finishing, he'll, he'll really break it down into the basics and uh, allows me to do some of the bigger picture stuff. So yeah, he's, you know, great person, great coach. And, you know, he's had opportunities to, to go on and I'm sure he'll have more to go be a head coach, but, you know, he seems really, fa- uh, really happy in his role. And I know his family love it here and his wife's from Oklahoma. So there's, there's a lot of good ties there. So yeah, really thankful that it worked out and um, hopefully uh, it continues for a long time. All right, here's a question for you. Okay. A- A.D. French. Yep. How did she become such a big-time goalkeeper? Coaching. <laughs> She's clearly. got a great story. Yeah, cool, cool. absolutely. Easy question. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. Fun. <laughs> uh, it, You know, drive, determination. I mean, one of the most focused, driven athletes that I've had the privilege to be around. Um, hates losing more than – I mean, most competitive people do, but right. you talk about the extreme, um, you know, AD's from Salina, Kansas, and um, she played youth soccer over in Kansas City, but not for one of the, the bigger name clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, also a big time basketball player out of Salina. And so, you know, AD was recruited, you know, Kansas recruited her, maybe Missouri and certainly us, but she wasn't recruited at the level you would think now when you see her. Um, but AD was just a talented athlete who was just driven to be awesome. And, um, you know, I think that's probably 90% of what got her to where she is. I'd like to think we helped guide her and give her a little bit of advice that helped her along the way, but that kid was going to be successful no matter who she was working with. She's, Mm. she was that, but, um, and, you know, she's just taken that determination, you know, she, she wasn't in with a national team and she got in with the U20s and that was a big achievement. But then she was like, well, I, I need to be in U23s. I'm better than U20s. So that was her next big thing. I'll show them. I'll make the U23s. And she did. And then uh, she finally got called into national team camp, but she was like number four or five. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
you know, that's another thing that drove us basically to say, I, I want to be number one, you know, and um, that, that's just AD. She just looks at the competition, figures out what she needs to do to beat them and, and goes for it. So uh, incredible story that's not over yet, obviously. And um, sure. amazing career. And um, yeah, just, I mean, I, I can tell you guys a story that kind of sums AD up and, you know, we're in goal and we, we'd come off two elite eight runs with AD and goal. And then we graduated seven starters. And so AD's senior year, we weren't as good. We had a bunch of freshmen who were talented, but they hadn't played a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, AD, um, we're playing a game. I can't even remember against who. And we got scored on. And AD takes it personally when somebody scores on her. And our <laughs> left back was a freshman, bless her heart, didn't track a runner. Mm -hmm. So I'm watching this develop. And AD looks at the left back and says, hey, that goal's not on me. It's on you. You get the ball out of the net. I ain't getting it. <laughs> uh, I'm having to take the kid aside later and say, it's okay. It's AD. You know, <laughs> but it just shows her mentality. You know, yeah. she just poured on. So that was oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, Brian, go ahead. What did, hey, Colin, how'd you guys deal with the spring fall turnaround? You know, the back-to-back -back seasons. Yeah, it, you know, we had we had injuries and I, I, you know, everybody tries to assess, you know, are we overtraining, undertraining? Was there enough rest? Not enough? Should we play year round? Should we go half year? There's all these different ideas. You know, all I can say is, you know, we played the, the fall spring and had a very, very successful run, made it to the Sweet 16. And um, we came out of that and we returned basically the same team. Um, but in preseason, three of our best players who, not surprisingly, were super high minute players in the spring. They all got injured. Um, and so I think that severely affected, well, of course, it severely affected our season this fall. So I cannot say with certainty that had we had a lighter spring like normal, maybe that wouldn't have happened. But, it, you know, I'd have to talk to other coaches to see if there's a correlation there. But for us, talking to our kids, they were beat up at the end of the spring. And we asked them to come back, of course, in August or July, like everybody else did. And um, they probably didn't have enough recovery time. So I, I'm not a big fan of it for that reason, among others. But um, I think it negatively affected us playing deep into the spring and playing at such an intense level and training at such an intense level. Um, I think it hurt us come August. Yeah, I think you have three of the 16 on this call. And I think we would, we, I don't want to talk for Brian, but I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, we got same thing. I mean, by the end of it, we were just exhausted by the end of yep. this fall, you know, I mean, it was really 18 months straight. Right. And, you know, just too much. And if, if anything showed it, and I know I've, I've banged on about this probably too much, but if anything showed us the full year model is just not right for, for the way that we do college soccer, in my opinion, my, again, one, one guy's opinion, but I was right there with you. Um, and, and felt the same way about this fall. We had everybody back um, outside of one player and, and we, we didn't perform as well because they're tired. No doubt. Yeah. So. I, I agree. You know, I think for me, just, uh, you know, we could debate this for hours. This, this could be like four podcasts, right? But, <laughs> um, I, I just talking to my kids. Cause that's the important thing. Talking to your kids, the overwhelming majority of my kids like spring to be, less intense, more developmental. Mm -hmm. And there's numerous reasons for that. But you would think the top players might say, no, I want year round. Mine don't. They mm -hmm. like it as it is. 
and they just think that the year-round model is too intense, too much training, not enough games, um, coaches are on edge year-round, we don't get to lighten up a little bit, and, and yeah, numerous different reasons, I think. Yeah, they're college students. They're not pros. Yep. They're college right. students. Are, are you pro extended season, Colin? Adam yeah, Colin? I mean, yeah, for sure. I think extending the season, you know, I know there's a proposal right now to allow us to go to our eight-hour segment in July. Mm-hmm. I think what that does is it allows us to not have a, quote, preseason. We just keep training. Yeah. Instead of doing two-a-days and three-a-days, it would just be a normal training week. And mm-hmm. uh, it just makes a ton of sense for the health and safety of the athletes, the preparation, making the early season games better, just everything. Um, so I love the concept um, extending the season allows us to have a couple of one game weekends, which would allow us to rest some kids as well. Um, so yeah, in my opinion, it's a no brainer and I hope it really, I hope it goes through. And are you pro the 18 college cup? I if we're in it, sure. <laughs> but you've been in it twice. <laughs> That's a good point. No, for sure. Right. the banners. Honestly, the elite is just another game. It's, it's another mm-hmm. big game for sure, but it's just another game. Softball and baseball, they've got it right. It's a celebration of those kids. Yeah. And um, I think if we have eight teams celebrating instead of four, great, because uh, those top eight teams have earned that. And if we can find a home, you know, like Omaha for the College World Series in Oklahoma City, we see I see it firsthand in, in Oklahoma City for the College World Series in softball, they're, they're selling 8,000 tickets for every, every session. And you know, the, the downtown area is packed out. The restaurants are thriving. It's unbelievable. So if we can find a spot for soccer that can host a, a tournament like that with eight teams, I, I, w- I would be, yeah, I think it would be incredible for our sport. Yeah, totally agree. So it's no secret um, your style of play is extremely, been extremely successful for you. Um, and it's very difficult to play against as I've played you a couple of times in the Texas and then obviously a couple of spring times. So what's the keys to success for you? How, how do you how do you determine success based on kind of how you play in your system, if that makes sense, that question makes sense? Yeah, it does. And, and you know, it's interesting. We played 4-3-3 and 4-2-3-1 for many, many years and had quite a lot of success with it. Um, about five years ago, we realized that our uh, the defenders we had were good. They just weren't the most mobile athletic defenders. So we had a hard time covering the whole width of the field. So we went to a back three with wingbacks. We had no idea what we were going to do in front of that group. We just know we knew that fit with our defenders and we experimented a little bit. And, you know, we played three, five, two, we played all these different things and we came up with this sort of three, four, three, if you like, um, that really worked for us. And so no matter what, you know, we, we've also found that a lot of the kids that are attracted to us and to Stillwater, they're, you know, they're not your quote five star. Sure. They're your star with an attitude. And so we've developed ways to play that hopefully benefit those kids and maximize what they can do. And, uh, you know, Tom Stone at Tech's a real good friend of mine. And his, his thing from the outside looking at us, he said, your team is the most comfortable team out of possession, he said, that we ever play against. We're okay with teams having yeah. the ball. And our kids get comfortable and we kind of allow teams to have the ball in certain areas. And then, you know, we have certain cues that when they play entry balls or, or play sideways, we jump it and um, we look to attack quickly. So that's, uh, that's kind of been our MO. We're, uh, 
you know, coincidentally, we are changing this spring based on personnel. <laughs> so, would, you would you graduate both your wing backs who have played for five years? <laughs> but but I, th I think the concept remains the same. We, we need to be a team that is tough to break down, really good on the counterattack, and, you know, be comfortable when the other team has the ball. Because we play against teams who probably individually at times have better players than we do technically. But that's okay as long as we don't allow that to be the determining factor on who wins. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, you, you know, I, I'm always impressed with teams that have a clear, clear identity and then are really, really good at it. You know, and, and I think, you know, Colin, you're, you're certainly one of those. Go ahead, Brian. What's, uh, how's the effect of the new stadium been on recruiting, on game day experience, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, you know, starting with game day experience, it's been incredible. So, you know, just for our current student athletes, it's made the biggest impact. Um, we have, we eat our pregame and postgame meals there. Um, the training room is there. The weight room's there. Uh, the hot and cold tubs are there. The video room's there. So it's kind of a one-stop shop. And um, before that, like a lot of programs, we're watching video in the athletic center, and then we're going to eat our meal elsewhere, and then we're going to the locker room for pregame talk. And, you know, it was just really tough on the kids. So that's been the biggest impact is the current, the current players it's just been amazing on game day and training days uh recruiting is interesting you know i think um it has opened doors for us to recruit maybe a better level of player at times but honestly i haven't really noticed that it's been the difference in getting those players i think it gets them on campus because we send them the recruiting video and you show the video of the stadium and they're thinking oh my goodness this, this place looks awesome i gotta go check it out but you know stillwater's still a unique fit for kids it's a, it's a small community it's it's rural it, it's you know there's not that much around stillwater and so if a kid's looking for certain things we're still not going to be the fit so i think recruiting wise it's got us it's opened the door to certain recruits but I still think we're getting the same type of kid who comes to Stillwater and thinks, wow, this is, this is home. This is where I want to be. Awesome. Um, we, we talked earlier, we want to get your thoughts on it. You've had some very good internationals through the years, right? A couple of German players. And so tell us, you know, we, Brian and I talked about this a little bit early, but um, how have you found international recruiting and what are, what are a couple, I don't want to say keys, but things that you think are important when you're looking internationally? Yeah, it's changed a lot. You know, I think, you know, back in the 2000s, um, we recruited internationally a lot because we couldn't attract the top U.S. talent to come to Stillwater. So we went to Canada, we went to Europe, and, and we tried to think outside the box and get better players. And at that time, you know, if I found a German kid, I might have, she might not have even been talking to any other school, or if she was, it might have been one or two schools. Sure. Now, when I talk to a German kid, she's been recruited like a U.S. kid by 25 schools. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's been the biggest change because there's so many of those services now. These kids are, you know, going through services and everybody knows them. So there's, there's not as many unknowns anymore, I think. That, that's been one change. Um, and then the second change to me was more so during COVID or maybe just before that, we, um, we were relying more on video. And mm -hmm. um got it wrong on a few kids. I didn't go over and actually sit and watch them play. And um, that that's a mistake we will make again if, if we go after them. I used to go over all the time and just sit and watch a kid and say, okay, she's either good enough or she's not. Yeah. And uh, got it wrong on a couple of kids. And 
we, we kind of learned lessons. So yeah, the biggest change to me is just, there's so many more schools recruiting overseas. It, it's gotten tougher. And then the kids are a little bit more educated on the schools that are available. They understand the difference between an Ivy school and a big 12 school or, you know, a school in California and a school in Oklahoma. They, mm. they're a little more savvy than they used to be, I think. Yeah. What I was your hit more. rate, Colin? What would you call uh, your hit rate on your internationals? Wow. Um, golly. Probably half, 50%. You know, we, we probably for every Yolanda Adenio and, you know, Adrian Radke and Gielica Feldbacher, there's probably one, if not two, that you would know of because they just never panned mm-hmm. out. So. I, th- I think if we went 50%, we were probably doing pretty good. Yeah. Agree with that. Any more, Brian, for him? No, that's good. Yeah. All right, Colin. Last thing we'd like to do is take a couple minutes and and, and give kind of a, a sales pitch to, you know, Oklahoma State and, uh, and Stillwater and, and why really you love it so much. Yeah. You know, for me personally, you know, I came here thinking I'll go, I'll go there for three, four years, get some work experience and then move on. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a kind of place that grows on you. And we, we tell recruits all the time, if, if you're looking for the bright lights, big city, shopping malls, nightclubs, skyscrapers, don't come to Stillwater. You're not going to mm. like it. Uh, but if you like the small town feel and, um, you know, you like the family atmosphere, people pay attention to what you're doing. If, if you win a game on Thursday night and you go out to eat, people are going to pat you on the back in the restaurant. They pay attention. Um, you know, and if you, if you like big time athletics in a small town, it's a perfect place to be. Um, so again, I think we're the, we're a fit for certain players and people, um, but not for everybody. And we recognize that, um, you know, and then the facility is, is something that I think we need to talk about. You know, we have a $20 million stadium that's for women's soccer only. Um, many places have beautiful facilities, um, but what's, makes ours so unique i think is there's no track there's no men's soccer it's it's a school in oklahoma who are willing to say you know what women's sports are important here as well we're going to invest 20 million dollars and give you guys this this amazing facility for your athletes so i think that shows the commitment that that our university is willing to make in our not only women's soccer but women's sports and then you know for me i met my wife here and um you know my kids are here and it's a great place for me to raise a family um, you know, a lot like Oxford, I'm sure it's the same. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Oh, and, uh, it's great. It's, it's just a bunch of great people and everybody, you know, likes each other and says hello and, and <laughs> goes out of the way to be nice to people. So I've, it's become home to me. That That's probably yeah. the best uh, thing I can say. I, Scotland will all, I'll always be Scottish, but you know, there's no question. Stillwater's not home. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I can't let you go without asking you one question. What is that oh. Jersey behind your head? See if Brian Lee can recognize it. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Um, I can't really see it too clearly. I'm assuming it is some sort of Rangers. <laughs> it is. So it's a uh, it's a Rangers jersey from uh, my buddy was in uh, actually my buddy who's a Celtic fan was actually in Hong Kong at the Hong Kong Sevens, uh, not too probably five six years ago, and he went and watched Rangers play and he asked the guys, "Hey, my my buddy in in Oklahoma is like the biggest Rangers." <laughs> Never get a signed jersey, so the guy signed it for me. So that's uh, one of my prized possessions right there. It's awesome, awesome. All right, Colin, thanks so much for coming on. You've been fantastic. We really appreciate it. 
um, you know, tell Justin he has to listen whether he wants to or not. He will, he will refuse to listen. That is <laughs> yeah. it. Tell, tell him it was a hot topic. Then yeah, 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 yeah. We spent a lot of time on him. Spent a lot of time on him. <laughs> tell Karen and everybody we said hello. Thanks for coming on, Colin. I will. Thanks, guys. Appreciate right. you having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. So that was fun, Brian. I thought um, Colin was good. He's always fun to talk to. I always enjoy chatting with him when I'm seen on the field or out at dinner or whatever. He's always uh, very entertaining. And you put him and Justin together, and then you add Rob in the mix and, you know, Brian, Kevin Dempsey. I mean, it's quite a crew. Oh, it's a laugh riot. I mean, Colin's <laughs> just it's, – it's all over him when you listen to him. He's a great guy. Absolutely yep. top-notch. Absolutely. And what a job he's done there over 1996. They've done an unbelievable – him and Karen – and obviously, Justin, they've done an unbelievable job. I didn't say with Colin on the on the call there, what other school in, in the country has been as consistently good at a school that is not in a soccer area, shouldn't, you know, yeah. be that good for that long? That's yeah, a tough of, job. It is. One, one of my questions I didn't ask him, and I meant to, I forgot at the end, it was the recruiting. How, how has Oklahoma soccer changed in his time? Obviously, it's gotten – Massively bad, but there's been some good players through there really throughout that whole time. But um, no, he's done a great job. Okay, Power Five time. College Soccer Nation's first Power Five with Brian Lee. This is very, very exciting. So again, to to tell you what we're doing, it was it is spring break time around the country. Some people are on spring break. Some people are headed to spring break. Some people have a week or so before spring break, and people go out on vacation a lot during spring break. So we thought top international because again, we talked international recruiting vacation spots that we have actually been to so i don't know maybe morocco was on there for you but i've been watching formula one which we should talk about uh, how great that show is and that race in morocco looks Morocco's. yeah it looks unbelievable doesn't it oh yeah i'd love oh, to yeah. go to morocco but that is not on my list okay so how we do this brian i know you've listened but um do you want to go first or second um i tell you what i will uh, go second okay so I will say my number five, then you will say your number five, then you will say your number four, then I'll say my number four. It's kind of like a snake draft almost. You almost, count. yes. I can't <laughs> yeah. All right, so my first one was I really enjoyed my trip to Germany. Oh. Rob and I went to Germany recruiting. We got to see a little bit of the country. Um, I thought the people were extremely nice to us Americans. I thought the countryside was beautiful. I was scared to death every time we drove anywhere because Rob drove and there's no speed limits. So he was flying in our tiny little car. But uh, the stadiums around the country, you know, from a suffer soccer guy, it was just awesome. We got to tour the Mercedes, um, <coughs> excuse me, museum and factory. And again, back into F1, uh, Formula One racing, it was unbelievable. So, um, yeah, Germany is my number five. Really enjoyed my time in Germany. Well, you know, and the, the pictures you and Rob sent back with the two of you in this, is it called Lederhausen? Lederhausen <laughs> at the Oktoberfest in the outfits? Hi, yeah, guys. that was us. That it was us. Like you guys were having a great time. <laughs> yeah, that was us. Oh, the bratwurst show is next level. Unbelievable. Ooh, I bet. I mean, oh, yeah. I had a lot of bratwurst. All right. You All right, you're number five. All right, my number five is a couple different versions of it, but any cruise to the Bahamas – Mm. Disney cruise, Carnival mm -hmm. cruise, been on a few. You get on the boat. You don't have to have a thought in the world. You stop at a couple islands, make it to the Bahamas. It's as relaxing as it gets. It is. It is wonderful, Brian. Um, you know, my wife and I went on a cruise for our honeymoon, 10 days. And it was, that was long. Even as a honeymoon, that was a long time. That's a little long. 
I like yeah. the weekend, maybe five yeah. days at the most. Yes. Uh, but we had a great time, but we went back on a Disney cruise with our whole family. My brother, Darren went, our whole families, and we had a good time. Our kids were pretty young then, but it, it was a good time. But my wife now is against cruises. I can't get it. I love, I, I couldn't agree with you more. They're fantastic. I would go, I would go once a year if I could, but I, my wife doesn't, Jen doesn't like them. So, so would I, and I would recommend the Disney cruise to anybody with kids. Absolutely. Do it before they're too old. It's yep. awesome. It was awesome. Okay. Uh, my number four is this will hit home for you, England. Oh, went at 1991 with uh, Todd and Matt Yelton. We got to see Manchester United at Old Trafford. We get, went to uh, I think Aston Villa, Aston Villa as well. Got to see a couple, you know, Premier League games. And if you're a soccer person, that is a place to go. It is it is hitting the top of the vacation destination if you're a soccer person watching some Premier League games in those big-time stadiums. Oh, you can't beat it all, no. all around the country. What I really like is the uh, going to the smaller clubs. Uh-huh. I like catching a championship, but, you know, Division One, fantastic. You and, and, I believe, uh, and it was 2001, not 1991. Yeah, 1991, were you guys <laughs> college juniors? 2001, my bad. really known each other. Uh, I think Matt Yelp might have been 12, <laughs> 91. <laughs> um, all right, so your number – Number what are we four, on here? You're number four. Yeah. Florence, Italy. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Have been? Okay. I Jen have not. Oh, Jen I have not. Like this. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Florence, Italy. Um, and my favorite part about it is they have the little squares all around town. It's just you sit at one of the little square restaurants out on the patio. They've got the house wine, which is unbelievable. And you just people watch as they go That's through. Awesome. Catch a museum here or there. It's, it's beautiful. Okay, you're number three. You want me to jump in next? All right, my number yeah, three is Tamarindo, Costa Rica. Oh. Now this, this gets close to like 94, 95. Right after I graduated college, my buddy uh, and I went for a week of surf camp with our sisters. And <laughs> unbelievable. Didn't have a pair of shoes or a shirt on for seven days. It was pre-Tamarindo development. It was awesome. I do have to say that Darren just said, big roller. He's drinking his cappuccino with his little finger raised. <laughs> That's Darren a good one. I don't Darren, agree. Darren well, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of funny. My number three is Costa Rica as well. But it's oh. from uh, staying there uh, in the ODP time and going to uh, going to the beaches, going, you know, zip lining. I do have to tell that I did hit a tree. Zip lining. I was right behind some of the girls. Brian was, Brian was maybe a couple ahead of me. And, you know, these guys catch you as you come down the zip line. So we're with the, you know, the 15, right? You 16 girls. And there's little hundred pound girls coming. And then comes big daddy flying at it. And this poor guy, this poor bastard looked and was like, oh my God, his eyes were as big as they could be. And I ran right into him, right into the tree. Oh, yeah. oh God. It was, I'll never zip line again, but that one time was something. It was something. Amazing. All right. Tree. Yes. But Costa Rica is such a, it's an inexpensive, fun trip. I'd recommend it to anybody. All right. My number two, uh, along that southern border, uh, uh, Puerto Vallarta, uh, Mexico. So uh, we went there for Becky Fletcher's, my old assistant, our big, good buddy, Becky Fletcher. His wedding was there in, in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and we had just a fantastic time. It's a, it's a resort kind of town. We stayed at the Marriott, which was beautiful. Um, 
and the, her wedding was in this huge house with it and it sleep like 70 people or something crazy. And the wedding was there. The reception was at the house was all there it was one of the most best vacations we've ever had. And I do have to tell the story. My wife likes a margarita, Brian, she likes a nice margarita. And um, they're very good there in Mexico. Right. And we got in a taxi and, and uh, he said, I can tell you like margaritas, your, your, uh, your face looks happy. So I can tell by your face, you look happy. <laughs> So anyway, uh, great time in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Number All right. Two. My number two is Dublin, Ireland. Ooh. Number one, beautiful city, great to walk around, things like that. But uh, the people, nicest people, so happy to see you. I was, I was there recruiting and going to a game on a little backfield and drove my rental car, went to the game, got invited to the pub with some locals after really just fantastic great great people nice did you get an uber back could you uber i didn't have that many <laughs> at the pub they're a little stronger over there to be honest yeah guinness you have a little guinness uh no i'm anti-guinness oh okay yeah. I, I have too many calories probably that's right, too dude. rough that's yeah too yeah rough and tumble, gotcha. all right you're number there. one my number one melbourne australia oh excuse me. i mean darren High roller, dear God, excuse me. I, What's, the budget at, What's the budget at Rice? Goodness gracious, where are you recruiting? <laughs> now, the, the, a lot of these are LSU, but Rice, we yeah. too. Now, here's what happens, though, Darren, to be honest. I stumble into some really good things. When I said Dublin, Ireland, I'm there recruiting, and I look outside, and there's a sign for Ed Sheeran opening his tour. So I just stroll on down, see, see some Ed Sheeran when I was in <laughs> Australia recruiting. I was in Melbourne and the Australian Open was going on. So I went to a couple of days of the Australian Open. Wow. But Melbourne, same thing. Beautiful country. I wish I could have been there longer. Love to tie it in with uh, New Zealand uh, and really want to get back. Beautiful. Awesome. Uh, my number one is St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands. When I was in the United States Coast Guard, we used to get um, ship. We were, I was on a ship. We used to get ship patrol breaks. And we pulled into St. Thomas and I was 18 years old and I thought it was about the most beautiful place I've ever seen. The water was so clear, um, so beautiful. And the town was cool. And it was, you know, it was a foreign, foreign country, but it was very Americanized. I got to have a McDonald's hamburger or a slice of pizza when I was 18. I was pretty dang happy as we were spending time on the ship. When, of course, I was providing the blanket of freedom, which you're used to accustomed to living. Welcome. You, were, you get a lot of mileage over, out of that six month stint. <laughs> In the Coast Guard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Six months, four years. Anyway, so there it is. Let's go through our number five. Go ahead. You're five. Five, four, three, two, one, Brian. Uh, Bahamas Cruise, Florence, Italy, Tamarindo, Costa Rica, Dublin, Ireland, and Melbourne, Australia. Yeah. I mean, this has not been contentious, but did you just hear that list? Yeah, that's strong. That's, that's strong. strong. I'm not going to lie. It's a little, a little hoity-toity, quite honestly, for me. If I, being honest. I did coach at Rice. Yeah, true. I in is Germany, uh, England, Costa Rica, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands. Not sure I won that one. That was a good, good opening. I gave you a softball. I knew you hit it out of the park. But anyway, um, all right, let's keep moving. We'll get this wrapped up. Uh, what are we looking forward to this week, Brian? Spring games. Come yeah. on. It's prime time. Spring's awesome. A little more relaxed atmosphere. More kids get to play. Developmental idea. You can't be – I wish we had more than five playing opportunities. Yeah. Looking forward to it. What is the right number for this spring season? How many games? I think, you know, seven or eight It would be my wheelhouse on it. doesn't need to be longer. You know, basically one a week. 
when you're yeah. going 20 hours. I yeah. think that'd be the wheelhouse. What about you? Yeah. What you looking forward to? In yeah, we got the picker in uh, picker in on Thursday. So we Whoa. play Sanford Bulldogs. That will be a good match um, for us. Looking forward to that on Thursday evening. Um, and then, uh, you know, just continue to roll on through the spring. No question about it. All right. Uh, one of the new things we want to do is, is give a little shout out to new hires in the game. So three new hires this, uh, this maybe this week or last couple of weeks, we're going to try and keep up with this, but, uh, uh, Chris McBride is the new coach at Louisiana. Congratulations to him coming over from Southeast Louisiana. Great guy. Uh, excited for him. Uh, Kevin Boyd is the new coach at Milwaukee. Uh, which he has some uh, big shoes to fill over there as they've done really well, but nice to see Kevin back as a head coach. Obviously was great uh, out on the West coast, but done a great job over Washington state and all the other places he's been, but excited for him and Milwaukee. And then the last one was, who am I forgetting? We got Chicago state. Yes. 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 His name is what again? It's Mario Felix. Mario Felix. Yeah, Mario Felix. Congratulations to him at Chicago State. Good luck with the start of the program. Anything to add there, Brent? Well, three really divergent jobs. Pretty interesting. Chicago State trying to get it going. Milwaukee, everybody's always done well. I mean, the two prior Mm -hmm. coaches are at Northwestern in Kentucky now, so I'd expect Kevin to keep that thing rolling. And Chris McBride's a guy I think we all rate. And Louisiana is a, a, a school that I think has got a lot of potential from when we lived down there. Super unique. It's on the bayou. You got to embrace the culture. But McBride's a great coach. Can't wait to see what he does. Awesome. I, I got to tell you, Darren, this has been a, a fantastic episode. Brian has come in and knocked it out of the park. I, I can't even remember the guy that used to be on here with me. I, I can't remember his name. Strong debut. So, uh, better, better, we're, we're, we're going down a better road, obviously. We, we really are. So, uh you know, we got to work on the name Madi and B. Lee, the Madi and B. Lee show or the B. Lee uh, and Madi. No, no, it's the Madi show first is for sure. Yeah, but. it might just be the Madi show and then <laughs> Madi and the hanging out. Madi and the uh, banger. But wait till we get the bigger deal here next week. <laughs> yes, we got the bigger deal coming on. We got the bigger deal coming on. All right. Uh, been a great episode. Thanks, Colin, for coming on. Thanks, Darren, for producing us with DJM Productions. Uh, we will be back Monday. Monday next week with the new exciting addition into segment two, our new member to the podcast family. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. College soccer nation is out.